Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How you doing? You know me, the self-proclaimed psychotherapist. Uh, so uh, we have a nice day out. Brittany Griner got rescued. And, you know, everything's always a surprise, right? Like you never know what's going to happen on this planet. What a week, huh? Brittany Griner, Herschel Walker got creamed. Wasn't that fun? Oh, man. I can't believe it got that far. Um, anyway, um, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. You know, it's that time, it's that time of year where like people like you, I know you're looking for, uh, tax write-offs and Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3. So, uh, no, I mean, let's cut the crap. Look, this is a really important radio station because we are, we are a station by the people of the people. And there's just not enough of us and enough enough of that. And we are struggling. We are struggling. We don't even have, you know, we don't even have uh, uh, like free soda or anything like that. That's that's a glass of water for you, Scooter. That's a glass of water. That's fresh water, though. We do have a bathroom with water. But like the thing is, you know, um, no, but seriously, um, it we we really do i mean authenticity folks authenticity and we're benefiting we're benefiting you we're benefiting everybody okay so check us out radiofreebrooklyn.org/donate check out the site we've got so much great programming like music comedy talk every kind of everything Everything and anything, crime. There's a crime podcast out after this. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about um, who's on my show today, who I am so excited. I couldn't believe he, like, I'm very excited that he's here. Okay, well, we got that, right? And um, you may have heard of him. His name is Scooter LaForge. He's been around for a while. He is mainly, he's, his broad category is artist, but he's really, um, I'm going to say he's somewhat, I mean, this is the first time we are meeting in person, but he's really a personality because I've known a lot about Scooter before this actual moment a few minutes ago where I met him. And uh, so he's a, he's been a, you know, New York City, downtown, you want to call it, personality but he's also, uh, he has like all these amazing achievements and I just met him, but he seems like a particularly humble, humble, nice person and probably doesn't need me to brag about him. But I want you to know, listen to this, listen to this shit. This is real, folks. So uh, he got a BFA from the University of Arizona. No big deal there. But then he also got to go to Cooper Union under a fellowship. I mean, to get discovered from the University of Arizona, that's no small thing, folks. Uh, his art is in the in big collection, Leslie Loham Museum and Beth Rudin DeWoody. And if you don't know who they are, that's like A-list stuff. That's like so A, that's A-plus list. And um, a while ago, uh, Patricia Field, can I say discovered you? Discovered, not discovered you, but discovered collaborated with you, real, realized what a great addition that you and collaboration, you and her work. Anyway, 
Do you know who Patricia Field is? She's the uh, designer or whatever, the stylist. Um, well, there's so many things to say about her that are extraordinary. She's extraordinary. Okay, but one of the influences that you, if you don't know anything, you might know, this will impress you. I'm trying to impress you. Let's be honest. She was a stylist and did all the work on Sex in the City, okay? So she has a huge huge impact on fashion and um she uh i i haven't heard this from her mouth directly but it is so obvious that she just is in love with scooter scooter's work and uh he so he's made a lot of it's all hand painted work and one of a kinds and he's worked with, and I'm just going to throw out a few famous names, okay? Beyonce, you know her, all right? Miley Cyrus, Rihanna, Lil Wayne, Madonna, Iggy Pop, Nicki Minaj, and uh, Boy and Boy George, Debbie. Come on, Debbie Harry. All right, so anyway, um, also another thing we may get into is that he is from um, a small town, which is unusual around these parts to find somebody of his ilk from a small town. So it's a town called La Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, his, his And his parents, I'm sure, are influential. We'll find that. I'm sure we'll be hearing about that too. Uh, his mother was a singer-songwriter, and his father was a... Uh, landscape this landscape painter and so did he make a living that way or okay so anyway let's let's talk to scooter he's right here hey thanks for coming on the show dr lisa thank you yeah such a pleasure being here and Uh, what a ray of light you presented when we met in the elevator uh, ah look at that i feel so good already this is this is this is really this is really yeah um so what did your father do anyway? He wasn't a professional landscape painter. He he wasn't, but he he's a beautiful painter and he still paints. He paints mm-hmm. gourds. He grows mm-hmm. his gourds and then he paints them with um handmade paintbrushes that he makes out of cactus leaves that the Native Americans use for their paintbrushes and he uh lives in an adobe house right on the border of Mexico that he built himself and um he's a character as wow. well yeah he built it himself he did yeah how many did you you know it's fun it's so funny like my father was an architect and he wouldn't even live in anything but a rental apartment yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's a guy that knows how to live yeah that's really cool and um and your mom my mom is very creative singer songwriter mm-hmm. a poet poet um actress she was in a play with James Earl Jones oh. back in the sixties, uh, Othello, and she played Macbeth. Uh, she played uh, Desdemona, and um, just a creative force mm-hmm. my whole life. Mm-hmm. Very supportive. Are your parents still together? No, they're not. Oh, how were they long? were together for forty five years, and they've been separated for the past, divorced for the past twenty two years. Wow. Yeah. And like, how old were you? Were you living? I was at already home? here in New York. Mm-hmm. Were yeah. you surprised when they got divorced? No, no, 
Did they not get along when you were growing up? It was was time for them to, in my opinion, it was time for them to go their own ways because I don't think, you know, people need to do what they need to do. And sometimes people aren't meant to be together for the rest of their lives. And it's, I love people that stay together forever, but naturally, in my opinion, with my friends, people kind of come and go and that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And also, like, people aren't necessarily meant to be together for what, 40? Yeah. They were married for 40. That's craziness. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, this whole idea of getting married for when you're young and uh, uh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, um, can you, I want, um, can you just, you describe the way your work, the style of your work, the way your work looks, how people, you know, you describe the work. I don't want to, I don't well, it's, do it's very impulsive, very um, comes from inside. Uh, it's very uh, immediate. I use paint. Um, I've been painting since the 80s, mm-hmm. since I was a child, and I've, I've painted every day. Um, it's natural. I mean, my relationship with paint is something I've been using mm-hmm. every single day for the past three plus decades so i know how paint works i know how oil paints work i know how spray paint works i know how water colors work i know how house paint works enamels and so on and so forth so i really have a handle on paint Paint, yeah well that's what i was um saying to you in the elevator and uh i'm gonna share what i was saying with you guys which is that um scooter is truly prolific and it, w- the paint, his painting flows out of him. Like you, it just is so, the process of painting for Scooter just is, seems so natural. And um, if you know much about art, you guys, or um, a lot of, that's not, that's not all that common. I mean, that's just not all that common. You know, people have a lot of way of approaching their paintings and no, normally it's a lot more um, in an intellectual in the sense of being thought out beforehand and kind of planned where, I mean, you're, I'm not saying your work isn't planned, but it just seems so um, instinctual that you don't think that hard. No, it's a tube. Yeah. Which is, it's a vessel. It just comes right through me. Must be so satisfying. It takes a long time. It, I, I equate it to somebody who's like a tennis player who's been playing tennis their whole life, you know, mm-hmm. since they were six years old till they're mm-hmm. in their 30s. Those those strokes, tennis strokes and brush strokes are the same thing. You know, it just. So you, so you mean you've gotten it to the point where it's like that? Yeah. Is that could, what you're saying? Yeah, it wasn't and, always like that. No, it's not always like that. It takes a lot of practice and then, you know, but restraint now. of line and I can accomplish something in maybe three brush strokes that I used to take with me 40 brush strokes. Right. So that kind of stuff comes. So now it's, it's really um, become integrated into your, your being really into your muscle memory. Yeah. You know, the the brain. Yeah, Yeah. That's great. That, that definitely takes a lot of doing to get to that point. I can imagine. Yeah, 10,000 hours. Yeah, for plus, sure. Plus, plus, yeah. plus, plus, painting yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to also um, just get people a little bit of an idea of the style of it. Um, and it's, 
keeps getting described. Here's one way. Do you want? I'm saying, did you want to describe? I'll tell you what they said about yeah, you, and then you then you it. can yeah. agree or or yeah. you can you can opine on it. LaForge's work can be characterized as pop art partnered with abstract expressionist and Dutch classicism. His paintings and drawings and portraits, landscapes, objective such using special painting techniques and incorporating his homoerotic in your face, non apologetic lifestyle, like golden books on acid. I thought that was cool. Golden books on acid. So does that, does that, I mean, guys, I post this stuff on the web, on my, you know, website. I'll do it again when I post this episode, but uh, does that sort of give people a broad general idea? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, look it up. Just look up look my name. It up. Just look it up. That's do your the own easiest, research. That's, that's the like easy to... way to do it. Just look it up. You can look and see what you see and take away what you want to take yeah, away from what you make up your own think. opinion. Yeah. Folks. Just look on the computer, on your phone. It's right there in Get your it. fingertips. Get it. Get it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm personally, and uh, I'm guessing, I see, so I'm curious about your upbringing because uh, it's, not something that I am familiar with, a small town. And certainly there are not a lot of people. Do do you, have you met many people who are artists that have a background like yours? Not here, not in New York City. I don't know anyone from the town that I've grown up in, period. And I've been here since 2001. So yeah, mm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I can't, I, I mean, I'm loving the idea that your father built the house. So can you just, describe your your like how did how did you grow up i'm picturing i'm picturing like a tp in a in a like a wooded you know wooded area or something was it like that no think desert think cactuses mm -hmm. or cacti cacti think um open land think dirt think dry heat um lizards horny toads uh coyotes um owls birds Dogs, cats everywhere, um, open land, bike riding, playing outside, having the whole land to myself and my friends, um, being extremely creative with all of my friends, making up our own fun, building houses, building huts, collecting trash and making sculptures, painting. Um, so like what was, say, did your brothers and sisters? Not really. Not really. How How is that not a yes or no answer? Because my big sister takes photos and she's creative in sports. No, no, I mean, oh. did you grow up with... Oh, I have two sisters, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, two sisters. And older, where are one's you? One's older and one's younger. younger? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm right in the middle, like Jen Brady. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so um, you guys all lived in the same house. We did. We lived in the same and very humble so, house. So did you, like, what, what was your, like, say, like, what was, did you have, like, it was a small town. Did you have, like, a small, did you know everyone in the town? Like, describe the town. The town was called Las Cruces. It it stands for the Three Crosses. Um, a Mexican town, um, beautiful in, in the south part of New Mexico. Uh, lots of fun, lots of roaming around, going to get ice cream, going to the candy store, playing at the uh, Rio Grande River. Um, 
uh, riding bikes, trick or treating, playing hide and seek, uh, staying out all night. My parents, you know, it was a generation where we could stay out until ten o'clock on school nights. Um, was it very safe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so, it was really fun. I had a oh, really fun childhood. So good. Yeah. So much to do. And like all outside. All right? outside. And it all was playing. Warm all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. Did you have like a neighborhood gang? Yep. Go collect oh, tadpoles man. and watch them turn into frogs. So, go swimming. Go play tennis. Go hiking. Go biking. Go make mud pies. Go make adobe houses. Go look at petroglyphs on the rock go to the caves go wow. to this go, you know wow yeah wow do you i mean have you been back there oh yeah i go and back do a lot kids still live like that no that's no because i was gonna no. say nope. they on their phones or mm, i don't know i hate that kids aren't outside they don't they don't do it being outside is so they important. don't do it no but i was back there months ago no one's riding their bikes no one's playing oh. no one's in the park was empty um, oh. the streets are empty. Everyone's playing video games inside. Oh, that makes me. Oh my God. Yeah, We're lucky. I, I don't know where you're from, but our generation the suburbs. We're yeah. lucky. No, I, I mean, I grew up, I lived in Manhattan until I was eight, but I did grow up in the suburbs yeah. after that. And, um, you know, it wasn't like what you're describing, but I was outside a lot. Mm-hmm. And also, just that feeling of being away from your house on your own yeah. with your friends in your own world and yeah. no one could contact you and you yeah. had your own little, become so much more self-reliant, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. Sometimes we ditch school and we just run around the whole yeah. little town and go go on adventures and, uh, you know, come home at nine or 10 at night. Did your... Um, do you, are you still in touch with anyone from those days? Oh, yeah. I still have all my high school friends and keep very, very close touch with them. I bet. Do they miss that, too? Yeah, they they are at home in Las Cruces. and um, Oh, a lot of them still live there? Yeah, yeah. And, oh, wow. And I go visit them and get my sense of home. So that must be so funny when you go back there, like when you go back there, because you're like, you're a big deal here. So when you go back there, are they like? no. No. They don't give a no. damn. They and don't I give, don't either. You I mean, don't either. I, don't I know. Care. I can tell. You yeah, don't care. I don't care. Yeah. So you're kind of like, it's great to like just be yeah, in like, go in this the is who you are, right? Cassette tapes. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go and driving. do you feel like, do you feel like more grounded from going there? Do you like going there? I do. And I feel grounded here and there. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. this is my home here in New York City. I have so many... So many roots planted in this whole town. Absolutely. And um, I don't know if I could, I I want to say I don't know if I can do this or that, but it would be weird for me to make my career in this, another area in our yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. Because you're very here, much part of this town. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone I mean, knows me and I have a lot of different sources of income to keep my thing going and a lot of different and people really appreciate you here. Yeah, right? we're on the road less traveled as artists, right? <laughs> well, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, but yeah, I think you are really, really, really valued here. Yeah. And I well, don't... I show up and I deliver. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's the bottom line. Yeah. Be on time. You're going to be there at 830 in the morning. Get there at 830. Show up. And bring and be your prepared. stuff. Be prepared. Yeah, yeah. Show up and that's be prepared. All that's you need all to do. Yeah, you're show right. Show up and deliver, and that's it. And a lot of artists don't always. No, a and, lot of yeah. people in general can't do it. 
I know it's so weird. Yeah, because that's really um, that is pretty basic stuff. Yeah, just get there on time and deliver and be present. Get be there present. on time and be present. That's, yeah, that's fifty percent or more of what you need to do to to make a living. And do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And that's part of delivering. Like yeah. a lot of like if you if you're somebody that knows like you know I'm going to have this done by this time and it's going to be this. Well, you know it's true. You can show up and the person may hate it, or you, that's you can't. They may see what you may. I mean, I'm talking about myself. I'm sure this yeah. doesn't. I doubt this happens to you. <laughs> but but you know they may not. It may not be what they had in mind. It does you may be amused. Um, you know, miscommunication or something, but the thing it is, happens to me. It happens to everybody. Yeah, and really, it's, communication is yeah, key. Yeah, yeah, and key. but you know, there's no. We're humans, and mm-hmm. you know, there's you know, and everybody has you know, somebody can be in a bad mood when you show up, or it doesn't. They could be in a bad mood. They could have had a bad day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. But if. But there is no doubting that you are the person that brought the stuff that they needed. Yeah. And that, yeah. you can't get out, you can't, yeah. Well, we I agree make sure everything's, they go, well, you know, when I consult with somebody or if I have a job, go figure out what I do because that's what I do. I'm not going to do something else. Right. This is me. Right. If you like that, that's great. If you don't, that's fine. Go find someone else. But make right. sure you know what I do because I'm not going to do something else. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um. So what is your relationship with your parents like now? Like, do, what do they, like, how do they see your, like, life here? Or have they been here? They they both have not been here, and I don't think they'll both ever come here because they're, they're t- small-town people. I lived in San Francisco for 10 years before I moved here, and they both came to visit me one single time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I always have to go home, and mm-hmm. I have to take a plane, a bus, and a train to get to their small towns. Where wow. They yeah. Wow. How long is that trip add up? A yeah. long time. It's More. six hours on the, the airplane, then an additional two to three hours on buses and wow. what have you. Quite a trip. Yeah. I can see why they don't want to come out here. Yeah. <laughs> so... Are they, uh, you know, what what do they, like when you go back there, do you relate to them? And the, like, are they curious? Do they not? Or They're not they're really. Not. Uh, my mom is a little bit, but their friends are. Like I went to visit my dad. He has my artwork all over his house, along with his artwork. And uh-huh. um, his friends are more impressed what I've accomplished and they know who I am and what I do, but he's pretty chill. Like, yeah, you're just his kid. He can't get it. That's, that's I'm just cool. This kid. I'm just the kid. That's but good. the friends are really, you know, that interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's My nice. Dad's friends are. Yeah. So they can see it that way. Yeah. He's probably, he humble guy like you are. He's, um, yeah, he, he doesn't care. He's yeah, he just one of those care. get and off my property. I've got seven guns, no trespassing. I have so five is dogs. he is he conservative? Like no, does he believe in- no, but he lives on the border and it's dangerous. Uh, and, uh you know, there's Mexican cartel. Oh, so, really? You know, wow. he's you know very. There's a shotgun right by the door. Really? No trespassing signs. All he lives on acres of land, desert. Wow. You know, so it's very that. Like must no, be such a healthy guy. He's you yeah. Think so, he anyway. walks. He he does his thing. He smokes 
pot. Oh, he likes smoking yeah. pot. Yeah. He what does. do you think about that? He's making uh, scooters making a face. What do you think about I'm that? Not, I've never done that. You've never I'm smoked pot. I'm not interested in it. Period. Ever. How come? That's I so don't interesting. Know. I'm just not. You're around people that are. No, but my dad grows it and smokes it. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, so, and your mom does, so does your mom, um, and so did your parents like not travel? Not really. They went to Alaska once and they went to Italy once that I know of, but they were both home. Home bodies. And in Las Cruces, they had a lot of bands come through and a lot of creative people come through because there's a university there and they would sort of, my mom, I remember her having musicians over and jamming and you know it was a really creative household playing mm. guitar and rocking out and stuff like mm-hmm. that yeah mm-hmm. uh so um ha- you came to new york the month after 9-11 yes, right did, so yeah. what happened there like how did you come here and what was what was that like i was, i got mm-hmm. a job offer with this girl who started a company called Earl Jean, Mm -hmm. which was a jeans company based out of L.A. They sold the jeans at a store called Fred Siegel. Yeah. And she, what she did is she took 501s and lowered the waistband to create low-rise jeans. Mm -hmm. And then a company bought her company for about $11 million in the late 90s. And they opened a boutique in Soho. And she and this other friend of mine named Michael invited me out here to help run their store. Oh. So I needed a change out of San Francisco, and I always wanted to move here. So that was my entry point here, mm. was having this job. And then when I got here, I applied to this fellowship at Cooper Union and did that. And then things just, I've New York City worked for me yeah. and my personality. Because yeah. it takes a certain kind of person to live here. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people come and go in my short time I've been here for the past 20 years, a lot who have tried to come here and do their thing. But you just kind of got to come here and wait in line and wait for your turn and do the work. And Yeah, it's always funny because I always say to people that are struggling, young people in particular that are struggling whether they should stay or not. And I said, well, it's a terrible style of living. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's, you have to be able to put up with that. But you are going to meet the most interesting people anywhere. The most interesting because group of people. Because if we could survive here, you're interesting, period. Exactly. You are. And exactly. you have some form of logic and intelligence in your head if you can survive here. You know how to do something. And also, you appreciate what you you think it's worth it. Yeah. It's a test. It's a test. It, whether it's worth it. I used to say that about in college, I lived on the top of the mount, this big hill mm-hmm. and uh, the dorm was on top of a big hill. And I used to say it's great because it keeps the high heels off of the mount, like girls that yes. didn't want to like walk up. It was literally over a hundred a hundred stairs, outdoor stairs mm-hmm. in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And if oh, you didn't want to, yeah. Yeah. And I loved it. But if you didn't want to go up there, you weren't, you weren't made for the mouth. Absolutely, yeah. And this is just another form of that. But you you seem so, you obviously fit in here so perfectly because you had a job before. Like people wanted, though the world was telling you to come here, right? It was, and I 
excelled here. Yeah. You know, when I got here, I excelled. Were you surprised? I'm, I mean, you're you're excellent, but were you? Did you not excel? What What was the difference between like how things were for you? Uh, well, you were in San Francisco, but how things were for you before you got here? Like, did did it seem really different? Like, were oh, you yeah. appreciated more? Were you no. not being appreciated? No. Here, I, I went the second, I remember seeing the skyline on the plane, mm-hmm. and I knew I was home. I knew it. That second I saw the skyline, because that was my second time being here in my life, I could feel it. I could feel it that I was home. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you don't feel claustrophobic or anything like no, that? I have my apartment and it's cozy and I have my bed that I sleep in that I love. I go home to my little cave, which all of my walls are painted. The way yeah, I, I can imagine. Every single ounce of every single square inch of my walls are painted. But I have a cozy apartment that I can sleep in and relax and bring it down to reset the brain and the body to go out the next day and do my thing. But I need my sleep. I uh-huh. need my sleep and I need my quiet uh-huh. time at night. Don't uh-huh. bother me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So are you a little bit of a workaholic maybe? No, because I, mean, I do this. You know? Yeah, yeah. I you have fun too. I'm, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to okay. hang out with you. And right after this, I'm going to go to the girls club to visit a friend of mine named Mary Adams. We Oh, I know, making I know these, the girls club. They're making, great. Uh, dolls. I'm, I just painted a bunch of dolls. I have them with me oh, here. Oh, really? So I do what I want to do when I want to do it. Do you wow. understand me? Wow, you're really in control. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of guilt. Not no, a lot of not shoulds, a lot. Life is too damn a, short. Do you do you do you go to so yeah so you go to parties and you're social no, yeah but I stay for just you know I'm not I'm you not, don't stay out late I don't and I don't stay at parties long a long time because I want to be in bed at home don't Me you too. that's all I want is my Me bed too. I don't care about anything else I just Me want too. the bed Me too you know it's so funny because um. You know, I'm so glad to hear you say that because, like, one of the things, like, I like is comedy and I like doing open mics. Yeah. But I've never really been able to really, really put everything into it because it's like a late night thing. And I'm always like, well, if you really wanted to do it, you would do it. And I'm like, I just can't. Mm -hmm. Get past no, that. I need the bed. I, I need I my mean, bed. I don't like that kind of lifestyle. Isn't it great to be like a hipster that doesn't like that? Yes. Yeah, here's for hit. Go home and go to bed early, Yeah, guys. I want to lay in that's the bed. That's our new. Come that's over our and let's new, just lay in bed. That's, our, that's, our, that's the new yes. hip thing to yeah. do. Go to bed early. I want my covers. I want the blankets. Yeah. I want my comfort. Yeah. And if they had a bed in the club. I would be out in yeah, the club, yeah, yeah. but I need to lay down or I need Me a couch. Too. Me too. I need the VIP room. If there's a VIP room there and I can sit on the couch, I'm fine. Yeah. And like whenever I talk to anybody who like in New York City, like who was here in the, you know, I moved here in 78, who was here in those years, 78, you yeah. know, 70s, 80s. And like, I was always like, yeah, I went there a couple of times, but I was never like, I was never like a full time member of any of those places and i was such a dork yeah oh here's the dork yes love dorks i'm the same way so okay guys so here that's here's for wholesome living uh so also you know it's so funny scooter like we were in the elevator for literally a minute you know usually guys i want to tell usually when people come to the studio for 
proper uh, session, as I like to say. I usually am come like a half an hour. They get here half an hour, 20 minutes early. And, you know, I try and like feel them out, what we can talk about. I don't arrange beforehand. I like it to be um, intuitive, the conversation, in case you don't know that, guys. So I don't really work it out in my head. I work it out when I, re- I have theories about the people that I'm going to meet and I work it out. So I had some theories about you and stuff like that. But our conversation in the elevator was really dense, I must say, now that I'm thinking about it. And one of the things that we talked about before the air was that you said you were, I asked you if you had ever been in therapy and you said that you were in, you had done CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And just so, uh, you know, I'm a hobbyist, right? I'm not a, guys, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I do know that cognitive behavioral therapy is a, a growing in popularity technique where people don't just try to solve all their problems. I mean, I can't, I've been trying to deal with my mother my whole life. It's not going away. So what you do is you try and learn techniques and, and, and Scooter's going to tell us about this, but you learn techniques where you kind of just train your brain to cope with all the crap instead of trying to get like insight into it and solve it and go back there and live through it again. So uh, I noticed that, Scooter, your eyes really lit up about CBT, and I want to hear. I want to hear your journey journey through it. Yeah, and know, have you been in other therapy? I have been regular psycho psychoanalyst, analyst, talk therapy, and then I was. I had this extreme bout of anxiety about twelve years ago, where it was debilit- debilitating. I couldn't go out of the house. Dizzy afraid to be here and there. I was getting dizzy in restaurants, dizzy at the art opening where I had to leave and just scared and fearful and blah, blah, blah. And I actually went to Bellevue mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I couldn't handle it anymore. I didn't sleep for like um, a week solid. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the psych ward in mm-hmm. Bellevue and the lady said, you got to go to our, um, uh, you know, just check into our facility I here. I just want to ask you a quick question. Yeah. Do you know why you were anxious? Was there circumstances or do you know why you were, what was causing the anxiety? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't put a pinpoint on it, but it was maybe. maybe was it work? Was it uh, relationships? Maybe things were just built. It wasn't relationships, but maybe things were just building up and building up and building up and I wasn't dealing with it and I wasn't getting sleep. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have sleep, my anxiety level just really um, just shoots out of the roof. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for their thing they call the crisis center. And um, I had already been in a therapy with this other doctor in Chelsea. And then I went to the crisis center at Bellevue and I mm-hmm. walked into the office and there was this young, I would say mid twenties girl in there. And I walked in and I said, this girl is not going to know shit about me. I'm a grown Man, I've been, I've seen so much and I've been through so much. She's not going to, she's not going to identify with my story, period. She's not going to know shit. And lo and behold, that 25 year old girl changed my life. Wow. She saved my life. Wow. Dr. Danielle Kaplan, she went to some Ivy League school, pearl wearing, twin set wearing, Bob, like Upper East Side type. Mm -hmm. And here's me. 
Yeah. You know, punked right. out with yeah. tattoos and yeah. blah, this and that and the other. And painted everything. Paint, and- yeah. And I walk in there and I'm prejudging her 100% like, mm. oh, no. I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to work out. No, 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 no. <laughs> but she changed my life. Wow. That so- young, intelligent human being changed so my what, life. So what was the process? Like what? Very slow and very subconscious and very just go in there and and when I would before I would go in there I'm like I don't have shit to talk about what am I going to talk about nothing so we just go in there and stare at each other and be silent and then all of a sudden something in the subconscious comes out and then it goes to another thing and then you talk about this and then you talk about that and then you and then I start crying and I had a breakthrough about this that and the other so it does go into you. So it does go into your past then. Yeah. So how's it different than, see, I don't know anything. So how does it, how is it different than uh, regular therapy? It just was a little bit gentler and softer. Maybe it was her style, um, but very subtly different. And it's CBT and cognitive behavior. Yeah. I yeah. thought, I thought so it had more to do with your behavior, you know, working on your behavior and how it you- did, but very, su- I couldn't even remember what wow. she was telling me to do, but it was really subtle and gentle. And I wow. went there for maybe three years and then she let me, she released how, me. How often did you go? Once a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to understand how that's different than regular therapy because um, they do talk about your behavior. Did you talk about your behavior I did. at all? We or did. change your behavior? And it, it, again, it was, maybe I wasn't paying attention to it, but it's subtly very gently and subtly changed the way I was thinking and reacting to various things that would happen in my life daily. Maybe she would implant tools for life that subtly got in. So you don't even, you no. can't, you can't even actually mm-hmm. literally explain how it no, works. No, because I was a mess, Lisa. I was a mess. Really I was hard on, to I imagine. Was, I was I'm, on the I'm brink. with a very calm person here. What I, do you that, mean? Were you on the brink of tears? All the time or like, just? Yeah, right now, if I, it was 12 years yeah. ago, I'd be like this and be stumbling over my words and be being so scared of what you thought about me and your impressions of me that I couldn't even be honest with you and, and relate a, a feeling or a thought. So honestly. you had um, anxiety about, so you were you were that person before the therapy? Mm-hmm. Wow, I have I have to say in my in my day I have never heard of such a dramatic yeah and positive change which I'm going to attribute in large part to you as well. Yeah. You know, I think the background that you're describing how you grew up is a really healthy healthy background. It, like mentally it, and emotionally and physically a very integrated kind of way to grow up. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of inner struggles that mm-hmm. I didn't talk about. And then I, when I was in San Francisco for 10 years, I dealt with those struggles in the nightclub, partying my ass off. Oh, you did? Yeah. And partying, then, but no no weed? No weed. Every Everything else except for that. <laughs> oh, no weed. <laughs> and then I put all that stuff down and stopped it. And then I moved here uh, mm-hmm. 100% sober. And... um. Then that 
anxiety started coming up because I wasn't, I guess I wasn't masking it with drugs and alcohol. So it was bubbling up and I had to deal with it somehow and look in the mirror and go and take steps to heal myself. And that's what I did. So do you think part of being sober also um, had to do with your, um, whatever happened with the positive outcome of therapy for you? So those things happened together. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of opportunities in San Francisco that, remember I said showing up and mm-hmm. being somewhere. Mm-hmm. Move the mic a little closer, please. That, um, just, you can move it by here. No, it's fine. Okay, it's fine. okay. Um, I just didn't show up. And oh, I, and you I didn't show there. up. Yeah. Oh, so Ruined you, a lot of stuff. So you know, you know, so you went through that oh, at yeah. a much more appropriate time yeah. in your life. It's probably good that you had that. I ruined a lot of opportunities. And oh. severed a lot of relationships, so I I learned my lesson early. Did and and you didn't go to any program or anything? Not there. No, not there. I was in the height of the the drug use and alcohol. I'm yeah. gonna say I bet you had some fun mixed in there. I did, but it got it got. <laughs> the, I know the, the you did. The world came down. I know and you did. Tiny and the, my world got smaller and smaller and smaller until it was in my apartment. And I was ready to throw myself out the window. Wow. So I wanted to ask you this earlier, and it sort of slipped my mind, but so you're gay. We know this, right? You're yeah, uh, gay. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you, where you grew up, like, did you know, realize you were gay during adolescence? Oh, yeah. You always knew you were gay, right? Yeah. So how did that manifest in your small town and your environment? Not good. (laughs) Not good at all. Talk about stuffing your feelings inside and not being who you are just pushing it down in inside of you did your parents know you were gay no i sort of withheld it they know now yeah but you know that was part of the struggle and part of why i am here today Mm -hmm. did you know any other gay people yeah Oh yeah, and did the, did you and all were you guys out, out with each other? It, it, subconsciously, in the way we dealt with our creativity and um, being doing gay stuff, I guess. But but you weren't uh, you weren't out. no you didn't no. talk about being no, gay. We didn't. Did you get teased for being oh, God, not yeah. a guy? Teased, beat up, bullied, you know. The whole classic nine yards. Because I imagine where you grew up, they must have some real dude type dudes. They do. <laughs> well, you talk about do. guns. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. So that must have been. And did you? What about your sisters? Did they have a clue that you were gay? Yeah, and they're they're very supportive and loving. Were they? Yeah. Did they know when you were like in school when you were? They, yeah, at everyone home? knew I was different. Everybody knew I was different. But did they know you were gay? Yeah, but maybe they didn't talk about it or they didn't. They, yeah, but one time me and my younger sister were fighting and she's like, I think she called me a fag. You, She goes, you're a fag. And this is in elementary or junior high. And I said, so what if I am? So what if I am? Who cares? You. I said that to her. And she didn't have a response to that. That is so awesome yeah. that you said that. Yeah. Um, did you have any, like, what was it like? Did you feel like, I mean, I'm I'm jaded from living here, but to me, gay is normal. Um, and, uh, but I, you know, I have to say in 1978, when I first moved to New York and I'd come from Syracuse University, a university, big university, 
And when I came to New York in 78, all of a sudden I noticed like, oh, there's gay people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God there are gay people everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was not used to it. And did you, like, did you feel like that? Well, you'd come from San Francisco. I did. And there's a very out. Yeah. But did you feel like that when you got to, is that partly why you wanted to go to San oh, Francisco? Oh, probably. And I was there in the height of the AIDS epidemic. Oh, wow. I would say at the very pinnacle. So what was that like? Was it scary? Yeah. Were I, you worried about yourself? Yes, but I never was real active sexually, and I'm still, you know, I'm pretty much you asexual. Like to, you like to go to Are you? Um, I guess, I guess my husband might say so. (laughs) No, but you know what? That was so. No, no, I, I, but anyways, I'm not. Can you tell? I'm not. No, you don't. No, no, but you know what the thing is? It's like it's funny that you ask that because, um, you know, being an artist is such a like sexy. You know, everybody wants it all to be about sex, and I've done plenty of nudity. I mean, I sat naked for two days in a gallery. I'm fine. I don't mind being naked. But the thing is, is sexuality isn't a big topic for me. It's just very normal. It's not that interesting. Same and here. Like when I, I was never one of those girls that like guys, I didn't get laid a lot. Even when I wanted to get laid, mm-hmm. I did. I, you know, I don't know what it is. I never got laid mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't pursue like, yeah, I, I, I. I don't know. I don't know because being, you know, it's so weird being, I know now I'm taking over here, but being female, I guess I'm realizing is uh, you expect the men to approach you and you don't want, I didn't want to force myself on anyone. So you never really actually get to find out or I repressed, I didn't actually get to find out what my, if I was really that sexual, that's how I look at it. Yeah. But it's interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's down on the list for, I'm, I'm just not interested in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather make your art? That gives so me a lot of endorphins. Satisfying. Yeah. I don't look for sex. I don't act on, you know, I'm not, I just don't. And I haven't for years. It's been four or five since I would say at the pandemic is really when it kicked in that I, I lost interest in that. Maybe beforehand it was a little bit, but now it's one thing, one less thing I have to think about and worry about. So you have a lot of friends. I, I know do. that. Yeah. And I was going to say you don't have a partner then, or do you? I have a special, yeah, I have a special man in my life. I don't use the term partner or boyfriend because that does not work for me, and it never has in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, I don't so, know what, yeah, none of those words I have my good. friend Isar, and he is my friend, and I'll be there for him whenever he needs me, but I, I, I don't say partner or boyfriend or marriage And or you husband. don't live together. Or do we you we kind of do. I live of... down the street from him. He has a big, beautiful home, and I have my apartment. And sometimes I spend the night over there, and sometimes I want to be home I, alone. I love that. I yeah. love that. You know, it's so funny because the one thing I tell my husband is I need solitude, and he like he works. Does he understand that? Yes, and he That's he knows beautiful. he can't like he has a studio and he can't come home during the day. Yeah. I know he does respect it. He is not like that at all. Is your is your he uh, respects it a hundred? But is he the outgoing one? No, he's he's like less than me. He's more. We get each other. He's an artist too, so he needs his time, uh, and I need my time. And we both he can do whatever he wants, and I do whatever I want. But I'm there for him. Right, right. That sounds so. And if ideal. I need anything, he's there for me. Yeah. 
That's so ideal. That it's sounds like, really um, great. You know, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow never lived together. Yeah. Neither did Shirley MacLaine and her husband never lived together. Yeah. Yeah. If it was Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera had two houses. If it was a, che- I mean, what you're describing is perfect because you're right down the street from each other. Oh yeah. my God. I can't believe how fast this went. We only have 10 minutes left. Okay. But, oh. uh, I know usually, um, yeah, I usually when I look up, it's, I'm, I'm surprised how fast this went, which is, you know, a great, a great thing, really. Yeah, I love to chit chat, don't you? Yeah, yes. Well, I knew yeah. it. The second, I have never seen you in person, but you walked out with this beautiful, <laughs> wild hair, this red hair, and then you have these cool white platforms on. Thank. So I knew we were going to have fun. You know, it's so funny. I could just tell. I bet people really. You seem like somebody that people really enjoy. You, I think your Thank ego you. is very integrated. Do you, I think that's why. I try and keep it down. Do you think that's yeah, it? Yeah, I try and keep the how, ego down. How, how does that happen? Do you think it has anything? Like, I, men, men more than women, and it's society, I don't blame them, but men more than women um, usually struggle with that more integrated. Well, you know. It doesn't interest me if somebody's ego is full front and center. Mm-hmm. I lose interest immediately if I see a sense of ego. It's the most boring thing in the world for me. Like for reals. Like I don't care about I don't want to hear about your resume or what you've accomplished or how fabulous you are. Who are who are you underneath that? Once you start doing this thing of like I'm I did this and I did that thing and I did this thing, I'm taking a nap like i don't care i don't care and it's it's really like repulsive for me for me i i i i i i'm i'm with i mean i yeah yeah but so you've managed how do you avoid people like that i can i have a really good sense of radar of that sort of thing and the second i see it i mean i'm just not interested in it i'm just Mm -hmm. not interested in somebody Mm -hmm. who's if their ego is the first thing that's front and center, it, it's just not interesting to me. If you're a real person and I see sense some authenticity there, then you're, it's a magnet for me to see what's who you are. So I'm guessing that people with on uh, uh, larger egos want to like hang out with you or something. How do you deal with that? Um, do ju- I mean, do, do I you just, it, do they, I do keep they- it direct. What do you mean as, by as that? As far as if, if somebody with a larger ego wants me to do something for them artistically, I go into a direct mode. What exactly do you want? Do you want this or do you want that? Did you look up exactly? I I keep it very business. No, I ha- I ha- I ha- I have that. I yeah. mean, that's not a, that's not oh, a problem. Okay. But what happens like when you're at an art opening where there's all, where there's just egos floating around and you know you're well-known guys so there's scooter and i want to show him my ego how do you like doesn't that happen to you a lot well you know that's fine i mean take for instance you came to see me Mm -hmm. i got a good sense from you i got a good vibe the second you opened that door i i just felt something good coming from you so if i feel that you know i that's a good thing. It depends on the feeling. I don't know. If because somebody starts talking about themselves, 
immediately. Well, here's, here's the thing, right? I th- this sounds so gossipy, but like at an let's just say at a create in a creative social situation, there are often a lot of creative people with huge egos that want to show you their ego. And those people make me insane. So I wind up feeling like I'm snobby or mean. I try to avoid them, but I feel like they, they, that I'm being snobby or not nice. Do Do you feel that way too? I do the same thing. So you do it too. You know what I say about people like that? I say I like them, but I don't enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the big people that I've hung out with or gotten to spend time with, their ego has down, is down below. Yeah. you And it's part of their success. Those names that you mentioned before. Yeah. yeah. Like you're friendly. Maybe it's artist on artist, too. Like those names that you said I worked with before. Maybe it's because I'm an artist and they're an artist. So we already have that respect for each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, they know. respect your work. But yeah. also, I think that in a certain way, the work speaks for itself, doesn't it? The work speaks for you. Yeah. Like, if you're really into your work, then they're not going to be able to see you without seeing your work. Right. Yeah. So your work is actually, in a way, it is the ego, isn't it? Except it's another... The work is a relationship with something outside yourself. Do you feel like oh, that? Yeah. He's, he's, oh, he's, yeah. And I want people to see it. I want it to be out yeah. there. Yeah, so that's, so that's the very relationship that yeah. I want to, that's where I want to have the relationship. Yeah. Through the work. Yeah. Like even like this. Well, you know, when I was watching you do your intro and you have this whole setup here, I was, you know, as uh, this is your art form. One well, of, one, one of, of them. One of your slices of your, one, one of, of the facets of your yeah, diamond. Yeah, I mean, I do paint. But I was very, very impressed by this whole setup and your introduction. And Really? Yeah, I was really impressed by it. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm impressed by singers and by dancers and actors because it's something that I don't do. So, yeah, I walked in here and I heard you read off the thing, and you're you're doing a you're a radio host. It's a big deal. Like, really, this is huge. Like, I'm very impressed by this. It's not something that I've ever done. Thank you. This board looks really complicated. It does. I'm and really bad at operating. Yeah, you, I don't know how to operate most of these things. And ask then, ask Tom Tenney, the director of the station. He'll, yeah, he'll and, like, and then look at the post. This everything. There, this radio free Brooklyn thing. I, and then I am really, really genuinely proud of the station yeah. because you know everybody talk about creative people with lack of egos yeah oh the most fascinating people yeah. are the hosts yeah oh my god yeah. and the range yeah. and the, the curiosity yes. being radio yeah. show hosts are um, i i i am very grateful to be part of this organization i mean i'm a founding member it's been around for seven years Amazing. and i and Amazing. i didn't know i had never done radio when you're a natural. I mean, you were a natural. Aww. When you, you were reading that. off that first thing, I was just like, "This, this, she's got it. This is great. She's this got is, it. I love because everything love was rolling guest, off your tongue. Guys. Yeah, I love this guest. <laughs> this is great. I think I'm going to have you on every week. <laughs> well, let's do it. Come on, let's have it. Let's have some tea and just water. come on and yeah. tell me, tell me, tell me. But uh, yeah, you were you were 
you obviously um, no, I I I I it means a lot, and it, it does actually. Thank you. Do you have? I have self esteem issues. Do you? Oh God, yeah. Why do Why do we have them? I can't. Like I look at you, and I'm like, you're so accomplished and talented, but you don't. It's not going to go away. It's, it's not, not going to go, go away. away. Everybody That's what does. It is. Everybody every, does. Really? Oh, but yeah. some people just fake it. I can't fake it very well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if people can even fake it. I see it. I see the low self-esteem in a lot of accomplished people. A yeah. lot. Yeah. Do you think self-esteem, do you think self-esteem or maybe feeling maybe your outsiderness, like being gay in a small town, do you think that that had a lot to do with your self-image? Oh, God. Yeah. 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 That made me, made me stronger and. You know, once I got here, that was the gift that I had because we all are different here. All of us. Look at you. Look at you. (laughs) Look at me. We're weirdos, Weirdos. right? Yeah. And everyone here in this this damn city is a weirdo. Everybody, the businessmen, the this, Mm -hmm. you know, the garbage men. We live in this weird town. We don't have to live in Manhattan. We can live somewhere that's really easy and safe, but we all choose to live here. Right. And you know what's weird? I mean, I'm sure you've, I've traveled a bit. I'm guessing that you've traveled a lot more than I have. Everywhere I've been, I've never found um, the collection, the, the eclectic group of people in the world the way I have here. Do you feel like that too? A hundred percent. Never, ever, ever from the, the mentally ill on the train, some some man oh was getting God. very aggressive by himself. And we were just sitting there and letting him do his thing, not making <laughs> eye contact. You right. know, you don't look at them, but it's just part of life. It's part of life here in the mm-hmm, city. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so stimulating. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I love it. So we have a minute and a half left and I want to make sure, um, and, and I'm a huge fan and you will be too guys. So I want to, first of all, and I also wanted to give Stephanie Theodore, Stephanie Theodore, let's give a shout out. We love Stephanie Theodore. Her gallery is really, really great. And that's how you came across the work. Thank God. Well, I knew it before I was, I was like, Stephanie, you represent Scooter Oh, thank God wow. for Stephanie Theodore. But we just love her yeah. and her gallery's at 373 Broadway, room 610. And she's a really, really, really special gallerist. And I encourage you to check out her program. And uh, I mean, just go and through And incredibly it. intelligent. Oh, and fun. And fun. Yeah, you can't. The smartest, yeah. Yeah, she's just great. And then also, I want to tell you, Scooter's website, it's uh, Scooter.com like you would imagine, dash La Forge. That's just like it sounds. Um, and you also have, um, somebody did a documentary on you. Is that coming out? Yes, it'll be out next year. Oh, that's great. So that's, uh, there's an Instagram for that. It's called Scooter La Forge, Life of Art. Please stick around. We have crime talk right after this. And thanks again for listening God, to Dr. Radio. Lisa, thank you. Thank You're you. such a pleasure. You-